right. How many of you are at the beginning of that wondering, okay, is it the Queen song or are we going Ice Ice Baby? Okay, I was just wondering. I was just wondering if anybody uh, was in the same place as I am. Hey, uh, I want to welcome all of you to Jubilee Fellowship. My name is Dan DeMay. I'm the executive pastor here, and I am so excited to begin this series, The Renewed Mind. And before I start, I just want to shout out to all the campuses. Welcome Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, Lakewood. Anybody listening via the live stream, we are so glad that you are here at our Lone Tree campus. So glad that you're with us as well. Um, I, I, I want to start like I always do by praying, but here's uh, what, uh, what the Lord kind of wanted me to do. I, I want to prep this a little bit. We're starting a new series. It's called The Renewed Mind. Pastor John, just so you know, Pastor John will be back next weekend in the pulpit and he'll be taking the rest of this series. And I know he's got incredible stuff and I just am so honored and privileged to be able to kick this thing off. Um, but here's what I believe the Lord told me before I even get started. And that is this. Um, when we start into a series, you know, the teaching team actually comes together. We go on a little retreat. We actually take hours to try to develop and hear the heart of God to know what to bring to you so that we hopefully have the heart of God and we're presenting the heart of God. And we really felt that this was the right time to bring a series uh, again on renewing our mind. Now, here's the thing about that. When we start talking about the mind, the enemy hates it. When we start talking about the mind, the enemy hates it. Let me tell you why. And I'm going to talk about it in the message a little bit, but let me just start with it right now. It is because in our minds, it is the only effective place the enemy has where he can attack us. And so he's going to want to come and he's going to want to do whatever he can to distract us and to take this word. You know, uh, Jesus tells the parable about the word going forth and the types of soil that it falls on. And three out of the four types of soil, it's the enemy coming to rob and steal that word. And I pray that you are here today to hear a message and to hear a word from the Lord that would penetrate into good fertile soil. We get to choose the soil. Uh, let me try that again. We get to choose the soil. Okay, good. See, I want all kinds of responses. Highlands Ranch Campus, Lakewood, Castle Rock, I want you shouting amen as well too because here's what I believe. Um, you're going to hear scripture, especially today as I'm just opening this series, you're going to hear scripture that you have heard in regards to the renewed mind and messages like this. You're going to hear scripture that you've heard in the past, but are you open to receive new revelation about it? I have, I believe, I have aspects of uh, revelation that God, I feel like God gave to me to give to you in regards to some scripture that we've heard probably hundreds, if not thousands of times. Is your heart ready to receive new revelation about old scriptures? Good. Well, let's pray then. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, and uh, Lord, I pray that you would use me to communicate your heart. God, I need your thoughts. God, before I even um, open my mouth any further. Lord, I need to tap into your heart, into your mind. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would increase in me, that I would decrease and that your word would go forth out of my mouth, that it wouldn't be the words of Dan, but it would be the words of the Lord that would speak straight to the hearts of every single person. And God, I pray that you would come against the enemy that would love to steal, to kill and destroy and to take and to rob this message. And so, Lord, as a congregation, we make the mental stand right now to receive what you have for us. God, make our hearts soft. 
God, put us in a place of humility. God, I pray that you would break down our pride that says we know it all or we have certain aspects down. God, help us to have new understanding, new revelation about old things, God. God, I pray that you would give us new wineskins and that new wine would be poured into those things today. God, open our hearts and our minds. Help us to be different when we walk out of this place than when we came in. We prayed these things in your name and everybody said, amen. Well, it's the renewed mind, and uh, as you can tell, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. And so um, I titled it, just in my notes, Think This, Not That. You know, the world is always trying to tell us how to think. And no, you should think this about this, not that. Think this, think that. And there's kind of this battle or barrage that is coming at us through whether it be TV or radio or books or magazines or friends or whatever it would be that are just just bombarding us, trying to tell us how to think. But do you realize that every one of us has probably, uh, I, I think the statistic is like something like over four or maybe even five Bibles in every American household that is telling us the correct way to think. And I want to encourage you to get into that, and we're going to get into that today as we go through this. And so um, I, I want to share a little bit of my heart. Uh, as we were, as the teaching team, we're putting together uh, the idea of putting the Renewed Mind series. Uh, I jumped, I was like, I want to start it. I want to start it. <laughs> I, I got super excited because um, since the beginning of this year, since the beginning of 2013, I believe that God has been totally working on me. And I want to let you know that I stand before you today um, as... Um, you know, as Paul says, chief of sinners, okay? Uh, when it comes to my thought life, uh, there's a lot of times that the things that I'm going to tell you today, uh, I'm working on personally in my own life. But since January, I believe that God has given me some insight, some revelation into how important it is in our lives. And I just kind of want to share that importance and kind of share what God has been showing me uh, already this year in regards to having the renewed mind and our thought life and the ways that we think. And so there's three thoughts that I have for you today to prepare the way for this series. Okay, three thoughts. The first one, you get it? Do you get the play? Three thoughts? Renewed mind thing? Okay. Okay, sorry. Seemed funnier to me, I guess. Sorry. Okay, first thought is this. It's about what we think, not what we do. It's about what we think and not what we do. And let me read a section of scripture that I know that you have heard before, and that is Romans 12, 2. And it says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now here is something that I am fairly confident about. You are sitting wherever you are hearing this right now, whether it's at one of our campuses, whether it's in your car, whether it's at home at your kitchen table or on vacation in your hotel room, wherever it is, you're listening to this message because I believe with all of my heart, you want to be in the center of God's will. Okay? I hope that that's why you are here. And I think uh, every single one of us strive to understand, okay, what that is, what does that look like, and what does it mean to be in the center of God's will. And so, uh, like I often do, I threw a question out on Facebook uh, this week, and I said, hey, what does it mean to be in the center of God's will? And I got all kinds of great answers, but here's a common thread that kind of went through a lot of the answers. And the thread was this, to kind of, uh, to, to hear from God, to understand what his purpose and his plan is for you, and to walk out and to 
to do that thing. Okay? And I have actually gone individually and asked people, what does it mean to be in the center of God's will? You want to be in the center of God's will? Yes, I do. What does that mean? And typically, or almost every single time, the answer came back this way. Oh, well, I need to be doing the things that God has created me to do. In January, I was reading that verse, and something jumped off the page to me. And that was this. If it was about what we were supposed to do, this verse would read this way. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of what you do. Then you will know what God's good, perfect, and pleasing will is. And it's a little semantic thing, but I'm telling you, it is huge indifference of understanding. It's not about what we do, church. It's about how we think. We have got to think properly. And if you don't think properly, you will not do the right thing. If you are off even just a little teeny bit, let's say we're just off one degree, do you know after a week or a month or years how far off you'll be because you're off in your thought pattern by just one degree? It is so important to think properly, but here's, here's how I do it. And maybe, maybe this message is just for me. But here's how I do it. I understand that God died on the cross to save my soul. And that because of that, you know, Ephesians says we're saved by grace and grace alone, not by works. So that no man can boast. But it's by grace and grace alone. And then it goes on, in order to do the good works that he has planned and prepared for us. It's a very interesting dynamic in Scripture. We are saved by works, not by, or are we saved by grace, not by works, in order to do works. And so we understand that concept and we go, okay, we're saved by grace, and so I accept the grace of Jesus Christ. It's, and we teach this all the time. It's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus did for you. But then in that, there's an understanding, okay, but then I do have a responsibility because he saved my life from hell. He saved my eternal destination from hell. And so because of that, there is this indebtedness that I feel in my heart that I need to go do things for him. Anybody else? And so what I automatically do is that I begin to project the things that I think I should do for God. And I supersede what I think is the most important thing, which is this. God wants me to understand how to think first. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will know God's good, perfect, pleasing, and well. Second scripture that I want to read to tie into that is this. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Man, hey, tell me if this scripture doesn't just kind of sum up what we've been taught in church, okay? You were taught in the former way of, of your, your life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Church, isn't it the truth that what the ultimate goal is, is to be more Christ-like? We're supposed to be transformed into his image, right, as we live our lives. 
Interestingly enough, I think this is how we read this scripture a lot of times. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The problem with that is we forget a, the, the middle section in there, which is the key to this whole scripture, and that is this. We are to be made new in the attitude of our minds. Oh, Okay, let me see if I can't help you understand this. A someone who's dealing with addiction. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but is anybody in here dealing with addictions? Or is anybody dealing with thoughts that they uh, are, are, are struggling with getting rid of? Or is there a, a pattern or a habit that you're doing that you just can't walk away from? Um, let me just share just one that maybe you've struggled with or maybe you haven't. Let's say somebody is, is struggling with um, smoking. Okay. They come to understanding the salvation that God has given to them and they receive Jesus into their heart and then they begin to realize, and, and you know, <laughs> all those scriptures, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and all those, and all of a sudden the conviction starts to come into their heart and they begin to, to realize, you know what, I need to make a change and I don't think that I'm supposed to smoke. Okay, so it says here, well, we're supposed to put off our old self and so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna try to jump into my new creation Okay, I'm not going to smoke anymore. The problem is they miss the middle part of that, which is to be made new in the attitude of your mind. They didn't take the right process. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The first thing that needs to take place is the renewing of our mind, church. You've got to change the attitude of your mind before anything that you do will change. And so this person who has this addiction will try to change this thing in their flesh because they're supposed to be made new. And when they're doing it in their flesh, Romans actually says that when you do something in your flesh, it actually entices the flesh and you're actually drawn even more into that thing. And then the person gets totally condemned, totally defeated because they try to jump into the new self without changing the attitude of their mind. Is it good? Okay, good. I'm hearing the campuses over you guys here at Lone Tree. I'm just saying. We need to change the attitude of our mind and the way that we think before we ever begin to start doing the things that God wants us to do. Now, uh, we were talking about this at the teaching team, and DJ was like, hey, now I need, oh, Pastor Dan, I wanted to make sure that you make sure everybody knows that there are things we're supposed to do. It's not just about only our thoughts, and I totally agree, but here's, here's the truth. I think by nature, we jump to the do all the time without the thinking part. I'll give you just an example. Kim and I, um, about a week and a half ago, we had a counseling appointment. And this is fresh on my mind, and I know I'm going to be speaking this message. And so we're driving in the car, and I even said out loud to Kim, um, well, to the Lord, with Kim right there, I said, Lord, give us your thoughts. Give us your mind. The very next thought, by, you know, it, you've heard me teach this, but when you pray to the Lord, pay very close attention to your very next thought because it'll typically be, that's the one from the Lord. Your second thought will be you talking yourself out of the one that God just gave you. <laughs> okay, so we're driving down the road. I pray, God, help us to have your thoughts in regards to this counseling appointment. I, I want to know what you want to communicate to this person. The very first thought that I have is open the meeting with prayer. Okay? 
So that's the first time I thought, okay, okay, great. So we drive to the church, get to the church, kind of distracted. The couple comes in. We go in. We sit down in the office with the couple. And the first thing I do is, so how can I help you? Okay? And um, it, the gentleman starts talking. And then the wife goes, actually, can we start by praying? And I could have kicked myself. <laughs> Now, I don't know, I mean, it, the, the, the appointment went great and everything, but do you know, here, here's how it went through in my mind. If I had opened up with what God told me to do, the credibility, maybe, I mean, this is just in my mind, but maybe the credibility in, and the trust in Kim and I would have gone up just a little bit in their mind. But the fact that she had to tell the pastor to pray... <laughs> But you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to get to solving their problem. I wanted to jump into the doing. Man, I do good at this. Like I said, I'm chief of sinner. Chief of sinners right here. And I hope that my heart today would come to every single one of you. And that you would realize, man, I have got to think differently before I do anything. How many of you honestly spend any time thinking and praying for God's thoughts before you jump into something? And then even in that, we pray, we feel like we get direction, and then we take over and never check back in. Am I still thinking right? Am I still thinking right? Am I still thinking right about this, Lord? Church is so important. We have, we have to have the correct order in our lives. We have to think and then do. We have to think God thoughts. And then we'll know exactly what to do. Maybe some of you are struggling with a, a big decision you're trying to make. And you're trying to figure out what to do. Maybe you should ch change your prayer to, God, what should I think? And I believe that that small change, all of a sudden thoughts will start flooding your mind. And as you entertain and as you start to go down as the Lord leads you in those thoughts and that thought pattern, then the doing will come naturally to what you're supposed to do. Good? Okay. Second thought to kind of open the series and that is this. The battle is in the mind not on the streets. The battle is in our minds and it's not on the streets. Second um, Corinthians 10 3 through 5 says this. <clears throat> Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. How many of you have heard this verse before? Okay, I hear from time to time people saying that one last section, and I take every thought captive and I make it obedient to Christ. But do you realize that the context of that statement is in the context of warfare? 
See, I don't think a lot of people actually know that and understand that. The spiritual battle is not on the streets. It's not about doing something better or doing something greater or going and, and changing some evil thing or, or going out and, and accomplishing some great and mighty task. Though those things are important once we get his thoughts. The battle is in the mind. If we can win the battle of the mind, guess what? The battle in the world will take care of itself. But again, if you're anything like me, I try to battle these things in my flesh. I go out in the way that I think it should be done, the, the, the way that I would do it. I don't check in with my Heavenly Father. I don't check in with the Holy Spirit, the counsel that wants to give me an understanding of how to truly battle this thing. Do you realize in the Old Testament, God, very rarely did God actually use the weapons of this world, the swords, to actually conquer the enemy army. I mean, they had to march around Jericho seven times. They didn't even lift the sword, and the walls came down. Seven days in a row, and then the last day, seven times, then they shout at the wall, ah! <laughs> it comes down, they storm and take it over. Another battle, they actually send the worshipers out and say, okay, guys, you go before us. Um, you're going to give us some weapons? No, just bring your guitars and harps and lyres and stuff. <laughs> Against them? Yeah, that's what the Lord told me to do. Just send the worshipers out. Do you know the worshipers went out? They were playing. They were shouting. They were praising God. And the enemy got so confused, they started to defeat themselves. How many of you would like the enemy to defeat himself in your life? Yeah. You've got to understand then the ways that God wants to battle this problem. You've got to understand the way that God wants to come in and change the circumstance or the life, uh, the, the situation in your life. And the way that you do that is you have to take every thought captive. Are the thoughts that you're thinking, do they line up to the word of God? Do they line up to what God wants you to think? And if it doesn't, man, you take that thought and you throw it outside and you tell yourself a hundred times if you have to, that is not from the Lord, I will not entertain that. That is not from the Lord, I will not entertain it. I, that is not from the Lord, I will not entertain that. Boy, the enemy, again, you guys, I put in your notes. Satan's most effective way to battle against us is through our thoughts. Ladies, think about your greatest insecurity right now. Because you know what? It's a lie from the enemy. God has fearfully and wonderfully made you. And whatever that insecurity is that you're believing that lie, it's a lie from the enemy. Take that thought captive and throw it out. Men, you do not have to handle whatever you're handling all by yourself. That's a lie from the enemy. It's a lie from the pit of hell. What is it about human nature that says that when I face a problem, I have to handle it by myself? And what is it about men that they really get that way? No, I'll take care of this on my own. It's a lie from the enemy. It doesn't line up with the word of God. But yet we entertain it almost every day, don't we? And then we kind of appease our mind and appease our thinking by thinking, okay, well, if I battle this then in, in the world, it'll help other people overcome their insecurities. It's amazing how the person that is the most insecure in something can tell everybody else how to fix it, and yet they struggle with it the most. Because we think by doing, then we get victory. 
Church, I'm telling you, we've got to think first. Interesting, um, the correlation between 2 Corinthians here and Romans. The word thought here, to take every captive thought, um, to take captive every thought, and the word mind in do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, they come from the same Greek word. And it means mind, thoughts, or thinking, which means they're inner. Changeable. In other words, you could read Romans 12, 2 and say this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of how you think. By the renewing of your thoughts. Or you could take 2 Corinthians and say this, and we take captive our minds and make them obedient to Christ. And I thought that was just interesting because, you know, I'm just studying these things out. And I'm looking up the word thought and I'm looking up the word mind. And I just found it very interesting that this came from the same root word. In other words, to understand what God's good, perfect, and pleasing will is, we have to have the right mindset. We have to have the right thoughts. In order to battle the enemy, we have to have the right mindset. We have to have the right thoughts. And I love it when God puts a a thing like that together where it just flows really well. Um, but then, the then, this is the best part in my opinion. Then, I bring this idea to the teaching team and I have to give Pastor DJ credit. Uh, I probably wouldn't have even thought to go here, but Pastor TJ goes, hey, um, I've heard a teaching recently on the word repent and, and what its meaning is. And he, and he went into the meaning and so, I started studying that out. I threw a question out a couple days later on Facebook. If you don't follow, or if you're not my friend, ask me to be a friend, I'll be a friend, and then you can be a part of all these questions. It's awesome. <laughs> I asked the question, what does it mean to repent? And almost every single person, you can read through them, almost every single person said basically this same thing, and that is this. It means to change direction, to turn around and walk away, which is true, which is accurate, which is Old Testament. It, this blew my mind. And I hope it's, again, like I said at the very beginning, are you ready to hear some old, old stuff but with new revelation? Because here, when you look up the word repent in the Greek, which is the, the language that the New Testament is written in, when you look up the word repent, here's what it means. It means to think differently. Or it means to change your mind. Every time you look up the word repent, back, I mean, Search this out on yourself. See if I'm telling the truth. But every time in the New Testament, when you look up the word repent, it means to think differently. It has nothing to do with changing directions. It has nothing to do with doing anything. It has everything to do with how you think. This, it blew my mind. Because when I tell somebody to repent, and I've even taught it, you need to turn directions. I've had somebody come into my office. I've sat down with my kids, and I've told them, you need to repent. And full on meaning, you need to turn and do different. <laughs> yes? <laughs> That's not what it means. It means to change your mind or to think differently. I'm going to read a couple New Testament scriptures 
with the understanding of what repent means. Mark 1.15 says this, The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. These are Jesus' words. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. I'm sorry, that may be John the Baptist, actually. Um, The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, let me replace it with what repent means. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Think differently and believe the good news. Does that not change the whole thing right there? I mean, I've been reading that as repent. Okay, well, I got to do something different. I got to turn around and do something. No, what, the, what he's saying is, hey, we want you to think differently about God. Take the thoughts that you've had right now and turn them and think differently about God. So how about this? If there's an area in your life where you don't have fruit, think differently. Repent. Repent. Even now, that's kind of hard to receive, isn't it? Boy, he's yelling at me to repent. Let me try it differently. Think differently. It's kind of easier to receive that way, isn't it? Think differently. I could take that better. But here's the truth. They're the same thing. Repent. What is the lie that the enemy is telling you? Repent. Well, I haven't, I mean, I haven't done some grievous sin, Pastor Dan. I know, but you're not thinking correctly. Repent. Think rightly. How about this one? Luke 15, 7, this is Jesus. I tell you the truth, that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Let me read this with the meaning. I tell you the truth, that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who changes his mind than over 99 persons who do not need to change their mind. Does this not make so much more sense as you read that and go, oh my gosh, when somebody comes to an understanding of who Jesus is and he changes his mind, man, the angels in heaven and the church itself should be rejoicing because of the change of mind that that person took. More so than any of us who have already made that change because we already know that revelation. How about this one? Revelations 2.5, and this one, this one stuck me in the heart. Revelations 2.5, remember the height from which you have fallen. He's talking to the church of Ephesus. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Think about this in your own personal life, and let me read it with those different words. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Think differently and do the things you did at first. If you do not think differently, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. See, church, I think we all read through that section of Scripture and maybe from time to time God has has convicted our hearts, and this is what we've thought. If we don't do things differently, then he'll come and steal our lampstand. And so then we try harder to do things for God. He wants us to think differently. Grab a hold of this message, please. Take it home with you. 
Teach it to your kids because it is so important to have the right thoughts because if we have the right thoughts, then we will do the right things. You know, it's really kind of the difference between a parent who disciplines out of anger and just goes for, based on the reaction of what has been done, and the parent who disciplines out of the heart of God and, and goes after the heart of the kid. Because the parent who disciplines just out of the anger of whatever came, took place in regards to the attitude could be the same thing, could be the same um, misbehavior or whatever. And the parent that comes in and disciplines, uh, I, I did not prepare this, so bear with me here. The parent who, who d- disciplines out of the anger, guess what? There's no thought difference. And the kid then becomes afraid of the action and doesn't even understand probably fully what took place and doesn't have the right thinking then. And then walks in fear of dad because I don't want to do the wrong thing again. And so then they're very afraid to do anything or, or they go the other way and they'll do all kinds of things just to please the parent. Whereas a parent who disciplines by the heart, yeah, still disciplines because the same action took place, but then they go in and they sit down in the bedroom and say, son or daughter, why did you do that? And they go and get to the heart and they find out what the heart is and then they go, oh, honey, well, you shouldn't have to do that because of that. Do you know if you think this way and if you move this way, then you won't ever have that issue and you won't have that problem. And they come alongside. Do you know our heavenly father wants to come and discipline every single one of us that way? But how many of us think that he's this mean, austere God that wants to just come and just swat us? that's one thought right there you need to change. If you think God is angry, if he's out to get, you know, Pastor John says this all the time, if he's out to get you, you'd be God. (laughs) You'd be God. He's a loving father that wants to come. He wants to grab your heart. He wants to grab your mind and he wants to help you understand how he would do this. He wants to help you understand how he thinks. He wants to help you come along and he wants to help develop the right thinking, the right pattern of thought in your life. Because if you can get the right thinking and the right pattern of thoughts, guess what? You will do the right things in those areas. Okay. Third thought. The first one is, it's not about what we do, it's about what we think. Second, Battle is in the mind. It's not on the streets. The third one is more of a practical deal, and that is this. We need to start having the right thoughts today. Now, here's what the enemy will tell you. You need a degree in theology to think right God then. And so I got to go to a bunch of classes, and I have to, um, I have to go through Pastor DJ's two-year in-state program, and then I'll have the correct thoughts, and then, and then it'll all line up, and then I can start doing the things that God has told me to do. And church, I'm telling you, that's incorrect thinking. God wants to meet you right now, right here, right where you're at, right at your intellectual level, right at your spiritual level. He wants to meet you right where you know theology, whether it's a lot or it's very, very little. He wants to meet you right here, right now. There's a proverb that says this, Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Your thought life influences who you become and what happens in your life. 
Your thought life influences who you become and what take pla- takes place in your life. Have you ever wondered why the same circumstance can happen to two different people and for one person it can completely destroy them and for the other person it was just a bump in the road? It's their thought life. It's what they think about that situation. You know, a Colorado rainstorm can come and ruin your entire day. Or it can be what it is. It's a 15-minute blip in the road. But it's all on how we think about it. And as you think, that Proverbs, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What's your thought life like? I pray the reason I stand before you today and I deliver this message and I pray. I pray that everyone here at Lone Tree, I pray that everyone at Highlands Ranch, at Lakewood, at Castle Rock, I pray that every single one of you would walk out of here and that you would have this just very keen awareness all of a sudden of how little we're thinking and how much we're doing. And that you would begin to go, you know what, I've got to start thinking before I do. You know, your mom used to always tell you, think before you talk. (laughs) Yes? Maybe it was just my mom. I don't know. Uh, I got into trouble a lot for that, by the way. But, okay, so so how, what are some ways to get some God thoughts? Um, I'm going to give some just practical ways to get God thoughts. But before I do that, I need you to um, open your hearts, okay? Because here's, here's the truth. If you're not humble... If you're not soft in heart, then these practical ways that I'll give you, you won't even respond to. See, pride is a funny thing, um, and I don't have a whole lot of time to go into it, but um, I did a message probably a couple years ago about the power of pride and the fact that it actually repels us away from God, like a magnet. If you remember, I gave everybody magnets, and I said, do you feel that repelling? That's what happens when we walk in pride. When we have pride in our heart, It repels us. And so um, pay attention to your mind right now. Pay attention to your thoughts. Because as I go through these things, if you find yourself kind of being repelled against that, there may be a little pride in you. And ask God to soften your heart. Mentally, put yourself in a position where you go, you know what, I need to... I need to receive from the Lord. I need to be humble. I don't know it all. There, <laughs> you would think, I had a Bible study on Thursday, and we started talking about this. You would think that as the older you got, the more you would realize that I don't have all the answers, and the more humble that I'd become, and realizing, okay, I need to receive input from other people. But why is it that generally the older we get, the more set in our ways we become, And the more prideful we are. We have established a thought pattern and we die with it. Instead of going, you know what? I don't have all the answers. Lord, may may you make me humble. God, help me to be humble. You know, the funny thing is, the second you get humility, you start to get pride in that. So it's a constant battle. (laughs) Practical ways to get God thoughts in your life. How about this? Read your Bible. 
The Bible is called the Word of God. If we know what the words of God are, guess what? We're going to know our thoughts. But let me give you a practical illustration of this. I will have people come into my office and tell me that they're supposed to do something or they feel like God has told them that they can, um, they can do a certain thing and it doesn't line up with the word. But because of the pride in their life, I can read them scriptures and they'll go, no, 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 God still told me. That's what I'm talking about. When you go to your word, do you read it with the thought, God, I can't wait till you speak to me? Or do you open it up going, man, I wish I could understand this book? <laughs> Seriously. Because if you go to the word of God and you open it up with the thought, I don't understand this, guess what you're going to get? I don't get this. As a man thinks, so he is. If you open up the word of God going, God, I can't wait to receive whatever you may tell me and the revelation that you're going to give to me. And God, I, I'm just going to read until I get a little nugget from you. And guess what? You'll be amazed at how quickly all of a sudden you'll see your mind catching on certain things in the word of God. Now, are you going to understand it all? <laughs> There's not a person on this earth that understands the entire, entire word of God. There's a lot of mysteries in there. I'm just telling you. I... I'm doing a wedding uh, later, t later uh, after the services, and um, <laughs> I'm going to tell everybody that there's a profound ministry that takes place. Paul himself says that this man and this woman, that these two individual people are going to come together as one person. And then Paul himself doesn't even know how to explain it. He goes, this is a profound mystery. Even, even Paul, who we'd say man, is one of our biblical historian, scholars, heroes, he didn't even fully comprehend it, but it didn't keep him from teaching it and then going for it and to believe in it and having those thoughts. Repent. Read and grab a hold of what you can. The other stuff that maybe, maybe God's got revelation for you later. I've read Romans 12 too. Thousands of times probably and heard it taught hundreds of times. And in January, all of a sudden I began to realize, man, it's about how we think. Not about how we do. I always interpreted it how we do. And we can learn like that all the time. How about this? Ways to get God's thoughts. How about through prayer? I'll just say it again. If you go into your prayer closet with the thought, I never hear from God. Guess what you're going to get? Confusion. But if you go into your prayer closet going, God, give me your thoughts. I want your wisdom. Do you know in James it says that if we ask for wisdom, he will give it to us in abundance as long as we don't doubt. We all laughed a little bit earlier, but here's what takes place. We ask God for instruction. He gives it. We talk ourselves out of it. And then we're so confused we don't know what to do. It's the, really the only effective way the enemy can get you is to talk you out of what God's trying to tell you. Pay close attention to your first thoughts. Write them down, journal them down. See if you don't see a pattern. If you're like, oh man, I heard God. I heard God. I heard God. I heard it. Holy cow, I'm hearing God all the time. God, keep lining my thoughts up with yours. Okay, how about this? We can receive God's thoughts in worship. All right, I'm going to 
I'm going to go here. Um, if you come here to church, and this is the only time of the week that you've sang any worship song to God, you're already setting yourself up for failure. Because you're so distracted from all of the other things in the world. Do you know worship is not supposed to be just a Saturday night or a Sunday morning thing? Worship is supposed to be a week-long thing. You're supposed to come into church and we're supposed to worship together as a congregation. And we're supposed to be already charged up so that when we come in here, when everybody who's charged up, there's this electricity that goes, and it corporately just goes, and it encourages and it just strengthens every single person that's a part of that. But do you know people come in here and they just bear with worship? Okay, there's a couple songs up the front. Maybe I, you know what? If we don't show up till seven minutes after, we'll only catch the last second, the last half of that last song. Sorry. Um, hey, you know what? The cool thing about Jubilee is, man, they give a message and they do most of their singing afterwards so we can get up and go. God wants to speak to you. God wants to give you God thoughts during that worship time. Do you know why we sing some of the songs over and over? You know, we sing that song, holy, 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 holy. We sing it like 30 times. Yeah, because we want you to know that God's holy. And we wanted to get it into your brain and into your thought pattern and into your psyche so much that you walk out of here and going, you know what? God is holy. And he wants to give me the thoughts. We sing these songs and we, we have the words, the worship pastors select these through prayer and ask God, give me insight in what I should sing so that we can get truth from God. What does God think about us? How should I think about God? What does it look like when the body of Christ all comes together? What are the truths that I'm supposed to receive? Man, there's great thoughts that we can get out of worship. Apply yourself to that and see what may happen. All right. Counsel. And by mean counsel, I mean somebody you would go see. Uh, Pastor Larry and Nancy uh, are counseling pastors here, Julie. They do an incredible job. And you know that you can hear um, or receive thoughts that you should be thinking from a counselor. You know, the problem with counsel that I've experienced when I counsel somebody is I'll tell them what I think God is telling them to be thinking, and they'll go, oh, no, 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 that's not from God. Wait, you came to me to receive what I thought from God, and I just told you what I think he's telling me to tell you, and you go, no. Why do you say no? Because it doesn't line up with how you think. Repent. <laughs> Repent. Okay, how about this? Community. We should all have a group of other believers that we have relationship with that we can go and go, hey, am I thinking about this right? I need to, I need to toss an idea to you. I had somebody actually email me this week and say, hey, um, new creation, does the new, does the new person sin? And, and what are your thoughts? And, and here's how I'm thinking about that. And then I just shot him back an email of what I thought. Um, and I thought he was thinking exactly right about that. Do you know it's important to have that encouragement and ha the interaction with one another? If you don't have other people that you can bounce ideas off, guess what? You're left on an island by yourself with your own thinking and it uh, usually doesn't end up real good. <laughs> Pastor John's actually going to talk about vain imaginations in the coming weeks. And you'll see vain imaginations take us to places that God never intended us to go. Never, ever. Books, you can receive God thoughts from books. 
messages like these. You can receive God thoughts from messages like these. Um, there are so many different ways that we can find um, different thoughts and different patterns. Now, here's the, here's the deal. All of those things need to line up and match with the Bible. Okay? If you've got a friend that tells you uh, <laughs> bad counsel that doesn't line up to the word, go to another friend that you admire and, and say, okay, I was thinking this, he's thinking this, are we thinking right? But if you know to go to that guy, you probably already know you're thinking wrong. <laughs> it should line up to the, to the word of God. All right, so how do I close this? God thoughts, huh? Heavenly Father, we come before you right now and we pray for God thoughts. God, I pray that you would help us to understand the way that you want us to think before we do. God, help us to understand how to maneuver through what you have for us. God, I pray that as we close right now, as we go into a time of worship, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to work and minister to every single person listening to this message right now. God, I pray that this wouldn't be a time to, to just shut our minds down, but Lord, that this would be a time that we would become very active in our thinking and that, God, we would touch into our spirit and that we would begin to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. God, we thank you so much for the fact that we have the Holy Spirit. The reason that the word repent changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament is because we have the Holy Spirit now. And so, Lord, by that Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come in and that you would direct our thoughts. God, help us to get victory over some of the darkest things that we're struggling with. God, help us to understand that there is great victory in your thought patterns and not ours. God, help us before we try to do anything, help us to line ourselves up with your thinking before we even step one foot into doing anything. And Lord, we thank you for the fact that you do guide us and that you direct our thoughts. And Lord, we trust you. God, help us to trust you more today than we did yesterday, more tomorrow than we did the day before. And God, I pray that that would be the pattern in our lives from this day forward. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You know, would you please stand with us uh, as the worship teams come and, and lead? I want to strongly encourage you guys, uh, tap into what God has for you. What is it that God is thinking? What are the God thoughts that he has for you? And see if some of those insecurities don't start to surface all of a sudden. When I said that, ladies, I bet something came to mind. Men, bet something came to mind. You know what? Start applying this principle. God, what is it you want me to think about that thing?